Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following podcast contains explicit language. You retweeted an unflattering picture of her next to a picture of your wife. I didn't start it. Okay, that's, I didn't uh, start uh, it. Sir, with all due respect, that's the argument of a five-year-old. Anytime he gets upset, anytime he gets threatened, anytime he gets scared, he begins yelling, he begins often cursing. Hello and welcome to Trumpcast the show about the man who boasted last night about getting the Mexican finance minister fired for arranging a meeting with him, Donald Trump. I'm Jacob Weisberg. So we had a kind of test drive for the debates last night when NBC News hosted a commander-in-chief forum in front of an audience of veterans. Matt Lauer interviewed them in sequence and then took questions from the audience. In Slate, Will Salatan called Trump's half of the show an authoritarian farce. Trump repeated some of his favorite lies, like his claim that he opposed the Iraq war. And Matt Lauer got universally terrible reviews for failing to call Trump out on that. Trump professed his admiration for Vladimir Putin as a strong leader, again. He said we should have stolen Iraq's oil, again. And he said he had a secret plan to defeat ISIS, again. What game is Trump playing here? Why is he pretending he has a plan for dealing with ISIS when he obviously doesn't? My guest today thinks there's a better way to understand Trump's maneuvering. Think simple. Think stupid. I'll be back with him right after we do the tweets. Just heard that crazy and very dumb at Morning Micah had a mental breakdown while talking about me on the low ratings at Morning Joe. Joe, a mess. Mainstream media never covered Hillary's massive hacking or coughing attack, yet it is number one trending. What's up? Thank you to our fantastic veterans. The reviews and polls from almost everyone of my Commander-in-Chief presentation were great. Nice. Hillary just gave a disastrous news conference on the tarmac to make up for poor performance last night. She's being decimated by the media. Hillary Clinton answered email questions differently last night than she has in the past. She is totally confused, unfit to serve as POTUS.
My guest today is Josh Marshall. He's the editor and publisher of Talking Points Memo, which has been essential reading during this election cycle. Josh, welcome to Trumpcast. Thanks so much for having me. So I got to start with what just happened. Last night, Trump was on this NBC, MSNBC thing they called a commander in chief forum, where he was sort of interviewed by Matt Lauer. And it was kind of crazy, right? Tell, tell me what happened. Well, you know, uh, Lauer talked to Hillary, and it was pretty standard. There was a lot of talk about the emails, and then people either were satisfied with the email conversation or they weren't. And then you went to Trump, and it was just sort of a surreal sort of thing. And, I, you know, a lot of the chatter on among journalists on Twitter last night was that Lauer was a disaster, and he hadn't fact-checked. Trump enough, and he'd been too hard on Hillary or overemphasized the emails. I kind of have a contrary view of this. I I did not think he did great, but I think he he was actually sort of like a a Trump whisperer in a way that <laughs> that I think people lost. Didn't fully get a sense of he enabled Trump's nonsense, and he did like let Trump be Trump, but letting Trump be Trump was like a disaster for Trump because he just. Unless you are a hard, hardcore Trump supporter, I think it was pretty hard to watch that and not think this guy just is just winging it and making stuff up, and he has no idea what he's talking about. And I and well, Josh, let's talk a little bit about what Trump actually said. So, so part of the conversation was about his alleged secret plan to deal with ISIS. And Lauer seems like a lot of us not to believe there really is a secret plan. It's sort of a secret plan to get a plan. Yeah, well, I thought I thought that was, again, another example where Lauer was a little better at this than people have given him credit for, because Trump has been saying for weeks that there's a secret plan, and never, no one's really believed this. Like, how would Trump even know how to formulate a plan? But a day or so ago, he said that his plan is actually to ask his generals for a plan. So Lauer, again, in this kind of passive and easygoing way, kind of says, so is your secret plan to ask someone else for a plan? (laughs) And at that point, it's sort of obvious Trump is just caught. He has no secret plan, and he has revealed that he has no secret plan. But he is cocky enough and arrogant enough that he just starts chattering. And on the surface, he's talking about He's got a secret plan, but he's going to see what the generals come up with with their plan, and he may end up combining the two plans. But when you listen, you sort of listen to the meta conversation. He's just, he's caught out saying something stupid. So it's sort of like, you know, you tell the teacher the dog ate your homework, and the teacher shoots back, but you have no dog. (laughs) And then you just start start talking, and it's because you don't want to admit you've been caught. And and that was my sense of that whole interaction. It was just it was just ridiculous. He also said, I thought this was amazing, that in my classified security briefing, which he actually got in August, he said, <laughs> my briefer said Obama doesn't follow most of their advice. He's not supposed to talk about it, but they obviously can't they can't challenge him because it's they're they're not allowed to talk about it. Yeah, no, I, I actually was trying to, I, I want to try to find out whether the terms of the briefings actually prevent you from making false claims about the briefings. I mean, again, it's it's such a, 
it's such a weird edge case. It's such an outrageous thing to be doing yeah. anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's like, I'm not sure they thought about that one, like where you just make something crazy up and say it. Um, I think, again, I think the thing is, though, is that even if you think Obama has been a disaster and is weak and is leading from behind and all that kind of stuff, unless you're really nuts, you know the briefers are not going to badmouth the president to Trump. That's not going to happen. So again, I don't think maybe Lauer should have jumped in and, and you know, fact-checked him or, like, attacked him or something. But I think Trump kind of hanged himself with his own words on that. That's just that's just nonsense. What I'd like to hear is whether the briefers actually got a word in the briefing. I mean, I assume it was 95 percent <laughs> him talking, <laughs> much as he yeah, was no, blustering, I mean, blustering yeah. last night. And then he said in Iraq, you know, I was against it all along, which isn't true, but we should take their oil while we're there because, as he said, to the victor goes the spoils, which by which he, I assume he also means to the loser goes the spoils. I mean, this is a, just a defense of plundering the wealth of this country to which we have done tremendous additional damage already. Yeah, I mean, there's, I think it's something of an understatement to say there's an international law problem <laughs> with what he's proposing. Um, but to me, I mean, look, international law is not the biggest factor in American elections, but I think the bigger thing is just, what does that mean to take the oil? It's not like their supply of gold that maybe you could just literally take and bring back to America. It's like a whole <laughs> geological formation under the ground. So that makes, so that's like ridiculous. And then he sort of says, well, we're just going to kind of hold on to the oil part. That part. The oil yeah, part, exactly. the oily part. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 but again, there's a lot of oil parts, and, and that makes, I mean, think about that. So we're going to have 30 or 40, like, tiny, isolated oil cantons, basically, like, all protected by the military. That's just, again, I think, I don't think international law has a lot of, has a lot of traction in, in, in U.S. elections. But I think people know when they hear something that just makes no sense at all. And that's just, again, that's just ridiculous. Josh, on Talking Points Memo, you've been playing with this concept, I think you call Trump's razor, which I love. What, explain what Trump's razor is. Well, Trump's razor is the heuristic principle that whenever you are dealing with Trump, whenever there is a question about what Trump is doing or what is going to happen or something like that, you come up with the stupidest possible scenario that you can <laughs> reconcile with the facts that you know, and that will probably be true. So that is Trump's razor. And I, I came up with the principle, but it was actually a, it's funny, there's a very prominent science fiction writer that people may know about. His name is John Scalzi. And I actually went to high school with John. So we know each other from, you know, 30 years ago. So he came up with the name, but that's Trump's razor. And I think it's, it's one of these, you know, my, 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 my late father was a, uh, was a scientist. And so I've always sort of prided myself on empiricism. And I think it's Trump's razor is a, the concept is, is ridiculous. It makes no sense at all. And yet, uh, there's no way I can explain why it's true or makes sense or anything like that. But empiricism, it actually is highly predictive. If you do this, <laughs> you will, it, will, it will bring you where you need to go. And why that is 
the case? I have no idea. Again, there was, there's empiricism is about following observed, you know, observed experience. So that's what Trump's razor is. Right. Well, well, well Occam's razor, which this comes from, is like this concept in philosophy that says if you have multiple possible explanations, you go with the simplest. And that's it, that actually has really – I mean, there's a version of that, obviously, but it really makes sense. I mean, because people say this is a brilliant, devious plan by Donald Trump to do X. And you say, no, it's not. It's his insecurity and vanity. It's his blustering. And that and that explanation is always not only simpler, but almost always better than the idea that there's some complicated thing. Yeah. And, and, and in many cases, we find out three or four days later that it's not only a um, it's not only a satisfying explanation. It is in most cases a validated explanation, because if you think about, you know, how did X happen? And you say, well, what is the not what is the bank shot? you know, strategery, uh, 11-dimensional chess idea, but what is the stupidest possible path that we got to this? And when you find that, and again, it's, it's bounded at some level, it has to be reconciled with the facts we know, but within, within that factual framework, whatever is the stupidest explanation, we'll find out in a week that that is true. And it's, 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 it, it has not led me wrong yet. <laughs> so apply uh, Trump's razor to Trump uh, saying last night that Putin is a stronger and better leader than Obama and to his sucking up to Putin generally. You know, there's, you know, one could, there's obviously this whole, this whole question about financial ties to people around Putin and uh, hacking and, and all these kind of very ungainly ideas. I think it is that Putin said things that are nice about him and people do what Putin says and Trump Trump is 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 you know uh, gratified to be praised, and that's it. Excellent, you're exactly right. All right, one more. Let's apply Trump's razor to Trump's a surprise trip to Mexico and to his bragging last night that he got the Mexican finance minister fired. You know that was one of the that was one of the most bizarre things because that you would not think that was like a sign of great success. <laughs> I invited you was fired, right? Yeah, um, and now now who are you going to call I, next for a meeting? Exactly, yeah. exactly. I think Trump's razor tells us in that case that Trump began the sentence without thinking through the end of the sentence and just uh, <laughs> got there. And the fact that it made no sense was was he he literally had not thought through five words in advance. So Trump's razor tells us that that even Trump doesn't think that makes any sense at all. But but uh, he didn't think five words ahead. What are some other like uh, apply Trump's razor to Melania's plagiarized speech at the convention? Well, yeah. <laughs> that well, this was actually a, a test case. You know, we don't have to apply it. We actually see that 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 when that story first broke, everybody thought, "Wow, the speechwriter really screwed her." Right? That's this is she's been embarrassed. Someone really let her down. Some head needs to roll. And I remember talking about it with my staff, like, what's the stupidest thing that could happen here? <laughs> the stupidest thing that could happen is Melania wrote the speech, and she plagiarized <laughs> it herself. And in fact, that's pretty much what happened. She, like, moved stuff around on her computer. She saw something she liked, yeah. Exactly, and, and she's working with some other Trump lackey, and she likes these parts of Michelle's speech. So she actually basically wrote the speech herself with of help of some non-speech writer. So again, that this is almost like the problem. I'm glad you brought this up because this is like the perfect Trump's razor explanation. What is the logical explanation is the speech writer got lazy and did something terrible and embarrassed this woman in this, you know, um, the most kind of important night of her life probably. But what is, what's the stupidest thing that could have happened? 
Trump's wife, who's never written a speech before in this highly consequential moment, wrote her own speech and plagiarized from the current first lady. I mean, that is definitely the stupidest possible thing you could possibly imagine. And that's pretty much what it ended up being. So this is, this is why Trump's razor actually is on the par with Occam's razor as a heuristic device. And I don't think it's, I'm glad you're bringing it up because I don't think it's quite gotten the, even, even with some, you know, currency that it's gotten, it hasn't gotten quite the, the respect that it deserves because there's, it's, it's it is a very powerful way of understanding an important political phenomenon in our, in our, national life. The problem with Trump's razor is it's going to make everyone as good a pundit as Josh Marshall. It is kind of true. It, it, it's sort of like I've open sourced the, the the basis of my insights into Trump. But, you know, I'm, I'm that kind of guy. I'm not going to hoard it. Josh, it's great talking to you. Thanks for joining me on the show today. Thanks for having me. That's it for today's show. Trumpcast was produced by Jason DeLeon, who has a secret plan to overthrow Steve Lichtai the executive producer of Slate Podcast. What Jason doesn't know is that Steve has a secret plan to overthrow Andy Bowers, our chief content officer. Andy Bowers has a secret plan to overthrow me. John D. Domenico is our voice of Donald Trump. He has a secret plan to get Trump elected and do his impression for eight years. Thanks for listening to Trumpcast. The polls are close. So Crooked Hillary is getting out of bed and will campaign tomorrow. Why did she hammer 13 devices and acid wash emails?